Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Friends, thank you so much for worshiping with us. And in this Christmas season, we're going to lean directly into some grand emotions and what many of you and myself are feeling at this moment. When I think about Christmas time, I like to think about the song this Christmas, Hang All the Mistletoe. I'm going to get to know you better this Christmas. Some of you may think about eggnog. Many of you may think about singing Silent Night, even off key. But this year, it's hard to even sing this Christmas because we have so much going on in our society. I look at 11 Alive News sometimes, even Channel 2, CNN, or the like, and you know, after I read it or I hear about it, I just simply say, it's not supposed to be this way. Even in the Christmas season, we exclaim very much the phrase, it's not supposed to be this way. 2020, oh my God, it's been crazy, hasn't it? But as I think about 2020, I think about the Christmas season, I go to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 11. And in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 11, we find corruption. We find divisiveness. We find death. We find gloom. We find darkness and the need for help. All of what I just named are descriptors of what Judah and Jerusalem, excuse me, Judah and Israel are experiencing at the time of this text. However, their context and our context are apples of the same tree. You see, they're apples of the same tree in the sense that even in times of pain and distress, God lovingly has a way of providing words of comfort to God's children. You see, Judah and Israel are experiencing aching feelings of discomfort, yet they've chosen not to listen to God's warnings. They've treated their belief system like a buffet at Golden Corral where they believe a little bit of this and believe a little bit of that. They've banked on false hopes and decided not to continue or really prioritize their relationship with God. But friends, as I hear their context, I'm like, wow, it's worse than a horror film because it's their real life. But yet, I witness the state of our world and I see that we're going through a whole lot of challenges as well. And in ancient times and today, God calls us into relationship with God. And we can trust that even when we experience life and utter the phrase, it's not supposed to be this way, God comes with great comfort in the midst of our hurt and our pain. Friends, we find this to be true in Isaiah chapter 40 today, verses 1 through 11. You see, in this poetic book, Isaiah, he's actually chronicling all of the life of four kings. 
And as you can imagine, there is some great experiences, but there are also some horrible experiences in this book. Friends, if you like sharp turns, then you will absolutely love Isaiah chapter 40. You see, after captivity, the truth teller Isaiah, he speaks on behalf of God words of comfort, words of relief, an amazing ah, times of awe and comfort. They're experienced after these captives have been captive for so many years, yet they can now just about turn, return to their homes in Jerusalem. Yet, friends, I have one piece of wisdom that you must catch. Remember this. Please remember this. As we go through Isaiah chapter 40, remember this big truth. God comforts his people by God's power and by a person. I'm going to say that once more. God comforts his people by God's power, but also by a person. Within this text, we notice that God has a way of providing companionship in hardship. You see, in verses 1 and 2, we see the deep awareness of suffering that's going on here. And the deep awareness of the suffering of another accompanied by the desire to actually do something about it is what is known as being compassionate. What is like, wow, is the fact that Judah had 100 years of trouble before Jerusalem would fall. And then they had 70 more years of living away from their home, entrenched with hardship. God in compassion tells Isaiah, speak words of comfort to my children. Speak words that will lift them up and words that will not pull them further into despair. Friends, as I read verses one and two, I'm reminded that it's been said that the seed of comfort usually takes root in the soil of adversity. Friends, when life is hard and full of challenges, you never forget the comfort that God gives. We never forget in the desert who provided great water to us. And God is proving to us through this text that God never stops dispensing God's compassion to God's creation. Within this text of hardship, God through Isaiah is comforting the people by the promise of divine retribution. God promises that joy will know Israel's name. And we can trust that if joy knows their name, joy will also know our name. You see, the presence of hardship does not indicate the absence of God. The presence of pain does not translate to us a lack of purpose. We serve a God that extends to Judah, Israel, and us compassion in the midst of our hardships. But friends, if you're having a hard time of believing that God is offering any type of compassion in the midst of your hardship, flip over to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, verse 7 to be exact, and you'll find these words. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. You hear that? Everlasting joy. That means joy that doesn't stop. Friends, God through Isaiah says that we can sing joy to the world, 
all throughout the year. We don't have to wait till Christmas to sing it. We can sing joy to the world all throughout the year. Why? Because God will extend to all of his children compassion and hardship and joy that's everlasting. This joy, it increases. This joy withstands the texts of time. This joy is what God gives and the world does not give it to us, nor can the world take it away. Friends, we have everlasting joy because we serve a God who has compassion for us in the midst of hardship. But yet, friends, in verses three through eight, it gets better because Isaiah says we serve a God that also will provide for us a hopeful exchange. Friends, Isaiah shares with all of Israel that the Lord is coming. And when he comes, he will exchange our pain for his hope. God, through Isaiah, shares that the hope that is on the way will remove the obstacles and hindrances that's causing pain to Israel at the moment. He goes on in this text between verses three through eight, saying high places will be made low. And those who are low will be raised high and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and people will see it all together. This is hopeful, isn't it? It's a hopeful exchange as God through Isaiah is setting the stage and preparing the way for guess who? Jesus. I know Jesus's name is not mentioned, but what Jesus will do is all throughout this text. You see, Israel will be released from physical bondage and they will have a better life. But friends, don't miss this. As Jesus comes, we are all released from spiritual bondage and that spiritual bondage of sin. Sin is that which separates us from God. And in the text, we're told that Jesus will exchange in our stead all of our sins. Jesus will unify us with hope and a relationship with God. And you see, we can trust this thing because God is always reliable when people are unreliable. We can trust that there will be a hopeful exchange of Jesus coming to earth, yes, on Israel's behalf, but also on our behalf. Because in verse 8, it says this, the grass withers and the flowers fall But the word of our God endures forever. You catch that? It's saying God's trustworthy. I like that, but I had a problem with verse 8. Because I was like, well, okay, you're talking about releasing us, you're talking about this hope, but then you compare us to grass. The grass withers? Well, what are you talking about? And I began to wrestle with this text. I researched this text. I asked some people that are smarter than me about this text, and they said to me this. It's meaning that where you're weak, God's going to be strong. It's meaning that where you have pain, God's going to give you hope. It's meaning that even though there's a pandemic going on, God is still going to prove victorious. It's meaning that God's going to have a hopeful exchange between all that you're going through and where God wants you to be. Friends, we can trust that we serve a God of integrity. We can trust that God is awesome. We can trust that God's going to do everything that he said he was going to do. Why? Because God is God and we are not. And so, friends, even in this Christmas season, we still must cling to this hope 
Because God with us is going to provide a hopeful exchange. He's going to give us compassion in the midst of hardship. But here's the big thing that makes me excited, bigger than any Black Friday sale, bigger than any Christmas under a tree, and it's this. When Jesus comes, he will provide for us a shepherd. Who cares? I promise y'all I didn't make this up. It's in verses 9 through 11 where the text proves to be true. Because in verses 9 through 11... We see beautiful words as it speaks about what God will do through Jesus Christ. Because, you know, Jesus is our Emmanuel. He's God on earth with us. These beautiful reasons to honor God should bring joy to all of our hearts, not just in the Christmas season, but in all seasons of our lives. Listen to the text beginning in verse nine. It says, go up on a high mountain. Zion, messenger of good news, raise your voice forcefully, Jerusalem, messenger of good news, raise it up. Do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Behold the Lord. God will come with might, with his arms ruling for him. Behold, his compensation is with him and his reward before him. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in the fold of his robe. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. There's words going on in this text that provide pictures to our mind. You see, God, through Isaiah, in excitement, says, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Hmm. You see, he's telling us here in the text that through Jesus coming to earth, God will invite all of us into the beautiful family of God. Through the birth of Jesus, we will be what verse 11 describes as lambs in the flock of God. But friends, again, I wrestled with this text, I tell you, because first we were grass and it showed our weakness and showed what God would do. But then he compares us to lambs. I said, all right, I didn't had enough now because I'm supposed to be Joshua. I'm a person, God. You said I'm made in the image of God. So why are you comparing me to grass and also lambs? Well, friends, I, I brought my questions to the text because I believe we serve a big God who can give us big answers even when we're wrestling. And so yet what I found out was that the difference between lambs and sheep has to do with age. Lambs are younger sheep, usually under the age of one. And usually anything above that age is referred to as sheep. See, this difference between lamb or sheep is only important in the selling prices of these animals for profit. However, God is not attempting to sell anything for profit. He's coming to pay the debt that we owe. You see, sin, we are the wages of sin is death and the gift of life through God, through Jesus Christ is eternal life. Friends, he's comparing us right here to lambs and some people say sheep, but truth be told, we are people that are standing in the need of a shepherd. Mm. Friends, baby, Jesus comes to earth to gather us all to lead us into the fold of God. Man, woman, boy, or girl, no matter your ethnic group, Jesus comes to be your Emmanuel, to be God with us. I read Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 11, and it takes me all the way back to Ben Hill United Methodist Church's preschool playground. 
And I remember being on that playground, and I would hear Miss Sims teach us a song that Jesus loves the little children. All the little children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. What we hear from Isaiah in this text is that song in action. That God sends Jesus to be our Emmanuel, God with us. Not for any other reason but to gather us into the flock of God. To forgive us for the sins that we keep committing. And to show us that he loves us way more than we can love him. So at Christmas time, even in this unusual season, don't get caught up in the fact that you have to wear a mask. Don't get caught up in how discomfort that, it, that you, all the discomfort that you may be feeling. Don't get caught up in all of that, but be thankful that even in the midst of this season, we are extended compassion that comes from God. There's a hopeful exchange that's still happening. But more than anything, we have a shepherd who cares for us. And friends, if by chance you want to open up your heart to Jesus right now so you can experience the life that the shepherd gives, please pray a prayer with me right now. This prayer goes like this. I hope you're ready. I admit that I'm a sinner in need of God's love. I believe that Jesus died for me. And I confess that Jesus is the Lord and the head of my life. Friends, if you prayed that prayer, your life will never be the same. But guess what? If you stand in the need of prayer, maybe not of salvation, you just have a request about all that's going on in the world, please email us at altogether at spdl.org and we would love to pray for you. Friends, I always like to say that all of God's children are needy in some way. But that's okay because we serve a loving father. And so I have something that all of us can get into this Christmas season. No, it's not. I can't buy you a Bugatti or give you a million dollars, but we all can be the hands and feet of Christ in the world today. Here at Second Punts, we are launching yet another initiative, and it's called the Critical Care at Christmas Drive. Now, you may ask, what in the world? I'm about to tell you. Think about it. There's a pandemic going on. Many of us go into our homes or go wherever we need to go. There's soap available. We wash our hands, and we go on about our life. But if you're homeless, where's your hand sanitizer? If you're homeless, when you eat, do you have a plate? Do you have napkins? Many of our homeless community participants or people in Atlanta don't have these specific critical needs that are really needed in this time. So we have a goal of collecting soap, hand sanitizer, thermometers, paper plates, paper napkins, and we want to give it to the Atlanta Mission on December 19th from 10 to 1 p.m. Friends, I hope that you will partner with us as we attempt to make a difference in this world. Why? Because we have a loving shepherd who gives us compassion. And if Christ gives us compassion, should not we give compassion to others? So friends, as you go throughout this week, I want you to consider 
giving to that drive. And if by chance this ministry blesses you and you want to give to this ministry to keep it rolling and going, feel free to go to spdl.org and the giving option is there. The drop down menu indicates all together and you can give as much or as little as God moves you to do. And so, friends, I pray that this has been a time of encouragement. I pray that you will embrace all that God is doing in your life. But remember this nugget of wisdom this week. Resist the temptation to overlook God's love. Instead, reflect on this great love daily. I hope each of you will spend some time reflecting on how much the shepherd loves you. And when you do, your problems may get a bit smaller and your stress may decrease. At least that's my hope. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church.